Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, no matter this, you guys on tech. I am Eagle Falcon. I'll, I'll just be honest, there's not a whole lot to talk about. There's definitely no massive, massive exchanges of power in the world of social media. Nope, no siree. And there definitely wasn't any kind of moment when all of tech media suddenly all lost their one brain cell they've all been sharing and just went absolutely bat squeak insane. Nope, that definitely didn't happen. And everyone loves the metaverse already. If you can't tell, um, this entire introduction is dripping with sarcasm. So let's hop right into the fresh nightmare that is this past week. Cause holy cow, never before have you seen so many bad takes in one week. It is impressive. So first things first, we have one lawsuit that is starting to go through. One for a company called RealPage that creates rent setting software for landlords and they are being sued for quote, collusion. Apparently the app worked with some of the nation's largest la landlords in order to raise rents across the board. What? So here's what's baffling to me about this thing. All right, first off, Good luck with that lawsuit, trying to go ahead and prove collusion. Because the thing is, is that if the whole point was just to work with a bunch of people and increase rents, they didn't need to use the app for that. Like, this is the thing I don't get about this story. The platform in which all of these, all, all of these jerks went ahead and talked to each other and raised rents did it through this system. What if they did it through Twitter? Could you then sue Twitter for collusion? What if they did it over cellular networks and I go sue AT&T and Verizon for the collusion? This whole thing is very, very bizarre. Now, that being said, it's not like I don't feel bad for, for everyone affected by this, obviously. Prices go going up for everything across the board for literally everyone. Everyone's having to go ahead and tighten their belts across the US. There's almost no exceptions. So a bunch of jerks going ahead and trying to like jack up the, the uh, rent rates and talking to each other to make sure that they're all on board doing it so that no one person looks like a way better option than the others, which is very anti-competitive and may in fact violate some laws with the FTC. Did I say laws? I meant rules. But I just got a feeling that trying to sue the platform in which that's supposedly being used to help communicate and orchestrate the collusion is a very odd choice and really just sounds like a whole bunch of people trying to just find someone to go point a finger at for their problems. So there's one interesting little quirky story that crossed the radar. All right, we have that. Next, we have one of the other bigger elephants in the room for something completely different. NVIDIA, of course, launched the world's most expensive graphic card. Not the, not the actually, mo they've launched a more expensive graphic card, actually, now that I think about it, but I digress. They launched the RTX 4090, which is the, actually, no, even that's not true. It is one of the most expensive cards out there right now. It is also currently the world's most powerful gaming graphic card. There's a couple of interesting quirks about this card. First off, as we've discussed before, it is massive absolutely colossally massive certain cases won't even be able to fit a standard 4090 
In addition, it is using a new power connector. Normally on graphic cards, you usually see a six pin or an eight pin, or if you live in the before four time, it used a Molex. Yeah, let that sink in for a minute. It used a power connector that you're probably too young to even know what the heck it is. But it was basically the same connector you'd see on hard drives. It's old stuff, but I digress. The, the standard has been six and eight pins for the longest time. They've been known as the PCI Express connectors. Well, this new one uses a smaller 12 pin connector with four very small pins at the top to transmit data between the GPU and the power supply. The other thing is that you have more power going over this one cable than you did across the two to three that older cards used. I believe I've even gone on the record as saying that this may cause a problem if it draws way too much power. Well, it looked like for a bit, I could say I was right because all of a sudden we started seeing reports of this new 12 volt high power connector melting on these $2,000 graphic cards. Yikes. Isn't that what you wanted to buy for $2,000? A house fire? Man, what a, wealth, what a worthy investment. $2,000 for a house fire. Woo. So people began to wonder, what the heck is causing this? Well, there's a lot of speculation right now. And as of this morning, between Igor's lab and Gamers Nexus, we believe we have found the problem. It has to do with the construction of these adapters that came with the graphic card. So the thing is, is that these 12 volt high power connectors do not, you, you, there's only like two power supplies right now you can get your hands on that, that go 12 volt high power to 12 volt high power. Very few exist right now. So most likely you're using an adapter. And fortunately for you, the RTX 4090 comes with this adapter. Hey everyone, guess what? Guess what all the melted GPUs have in common? If you guess they're using that adapter, you're right. The current working theory by Igor's lab is that inside the connector, there is in fact four wires that are going from the three or four six pins or eight pins rather. Yeah, it's four eight pins. And then going to this 12 pin, each one of these eight pins going to a single wire, which then goes into a distribution plate of sorts, kind of, sort of, but not really. And then gets distributed through the six positive terminals on the connector, as you'd expect. Well, it appears that some models of this are defective. And in fact, the solder job on the outer wires is very weak, meaning you are now putting a higher load on the middle wires which then could be causing the melting. The newest data on this, and this is still a developing story, I want to stress that here. The current working theory is just that, that some of these are defective. Gamers Nexus has found that some of these are rated at 150 volts on the wire. The one that Igor's lab has that shows the broken solder is 150, 150 volts. Others are, are 300 volts. Now, keep in mind for this 150 volt versus 300 volts. That sounds like a huge difference. The thing is that you're only transferring 12 volts through this cable. So far, everyone that has attempted to replicate what Igor's lab found were unsuccessful. 
including gamers nexus who discovered the difference between the 150 volts and the 300 volts all the adapters that gamers nexus had are 300 volts so that actually could be a difference that there was an early batch that was just terrible right now nvidia says they are looking into the matter and we should be seeing details at some point i guess now as far as i'm aware the only people that have tried to replicate this is gamers nexus who failed jay's two cents who also failed jay's two cents actually was also on top of the story like immediately he was actually the uh, front runner in this and then also paul's hardware has tried to replicate this if there are other people that have replicated it i am unaware of what they had or how they did it i should have actually checked their bower he would he'd actually be uh he actually has the know-how to actually provide some insight on that hmm but in any case that appears to be what's going on personally in my opinion here's what i can conclude i do believe there's a problem with the connector i believe there's a problem with the connector because being rated for only 30 inserts is unacceptable and that's what this connector is rated at not this adapter the connector the standard this whole thing is based on is only rated for 30 connects and disconnects that's it that means that the people who designed this already had no faith in its durability so that's already a big yikes with that being said this particular situation of the melting it seems safe to say for now this is all due to a line of defective connectors and from what we know right now which i fully admit isn't conclusive yet but it appears to be that if you have a 4090 first off i'm jelly you should totally send me one totally please but also you should check the adapter you have and check the cabling near the 12 pin connector and see if it says 150 volts if it does do not use that connector so far the 300 volt one has not failed everyone who has tried to replicate this as far as i'm aware has used the 300 volt one version and they have gone to the point of actually clipping wires with wire cutters to try and make it overheat and it has failed to overheat as of yet so those versions of the adapter seem pretty reliable if you have a 150 volt one i wouldn't use it because you're gambling with a house fire and quite frankly gambling with a ha house fire is bad i'm just saying it's bad don't do it bad end cable mods and other cable companies do make third-party adapters that are more robustly built if your case is small enough that the connector is almost right up against the glass and you need a tight bending one cable mod has a version that is at a pre-built hard 90 degree angle that is safe rather than one that is straight and you're bending yourself and possibly breaking solder joints just be smart about this it's also i want to point out this moment that in fact amd has gone on the record and said they will not be using the 12 volt high power connector considering the fact that their new graphic cards have been in development for easily over a year i would say that their decision to do this is not related to the immediate problem of melting and rather just the reliability the reliability issues that were brought up when the connector was only rated for 30 inserts and disconnects that is still a huge huge problem but nowhere near as huge a problem 
has the problem Meta has. Oh man, Facebook has some problems. For you see, remember when Facebook changed his name from Facebook to Meta and said, we're gonna build the metaverse? Yeah, their stock price has taken huge, huge hits. And in fact, the latest earnings has plummeted the cost of Facebook's problems or route plunged the stock price of Meta slash Facebook by 25%. For those who ever say that something is too big to fail, I present this, I present Facebook. Someone in chat said lots of stocks are down big this year. The thing is, is that this has been down big year after year after year after year. And everyone, it's not, they're not pointing to economic uncertainty, which is what's causing a lot of other failures and a lot of other dips. This is caused by no faith in the metaverse. Look, I'm sorry, but when your own tech demos look worse than a 10 year old MMO, you have a problem. Your metaverse has no legs, both metaphorically and physically. Even the me characters on the Switch have legs. Just dude. Actually, I say a 10-year-old MMO. Here, here's, the, here's, the sad, here's the sad truth here. You want to know how bad the metaverse looks right now? A 21-year-old MMO is a better and more interactive social platform than the metaverse. The worst part is right now, chat's trying to guess what this 21-year-old MMO is. And you know what the correct answer is? Pick them asheron's call everquest ragnarok online take your pick runescape aol instant chat messenger they're all a superior platform except for maybe aol instant messenger that one's a bit of a tough pill to swallow but no the first thing i popped in my head was ragnarok online because i dedicated way too much of my life to it but anyway gaia online is better there we go fallout okay let's let's not uh fallout 76 is a better metaverse all right let, let's let's calm down a little bit here i don't even know what the state of fallout 76 is i just assumed it's been dead on arrival also it wouldn't doubt me at all if fallout 76 didn't have the ability to chat in game because man but fallout 76 for that fact like its launch was worse than ff14 1.0 and that game was so bad the lead staff was fired and then they went and and grabbed gaming jesus over from another game and said here fix it 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 and it was a freaking miracle he did it a literal miracle i don't think yoshi p can fix the metaverse i, I don't think there's a there ain't no one that can look at what the metaverse is right now and say yeah that's that's fixable but the fact that the thing is is that here it's one thing for those of us who are tech savvy for those of us who know what's out there in the tech world to say that the metaverse is garbage but then also for the investors to look at it and say oh yeah this is garbage it is two wildly different things and to see meta take it where it actually counts which is year over year uh, earnings maybe just maybe they'll decide to change course and do what they do best. Harvest everyone's data and then leak it out by accident. Ooh, ooh, chat, chat's got, got, got a, a spicy take and they're not wrong. At least Fallout 76 survived longer than Babylon's fall and 
Anthem. Man! You know, I haven't talked about, uh... I haven't talked about Anthem and, and Babylon's Fall. So these two games were live service games that Square Enix tried to launch. And less than a year after their launch, the live service ended because it wasn't profitable. And this kind of got me thinking. Can anyone name a live service game that's actually doing well besides Fortnite? Like seriously, aside from a mobile game or Fortnite, is there any live service game that's doing it? Okay, FF14, I wouldn't consider a live. I mean, FF14 is a live service game, but it falls in the category of an MMO. But here's what I consider a live service game. A live service game is a single player game that has multiplayer aspects that, Im that are free to play, but include very odd and unique monetization elements to keep paying for continuous, continuous development. Destiny, okay, you, you got me there. You got me there with Destiny. I can't argue that one. Destiny actually is doing good for itself. Guild Wars 2. Yeah, Guild Wars 2 doesn't have a subscription, for, does it? Genshin Impact. That isn't a mobile game. The thing is, is that you've noticed lately a lot of the newer live service games are just falling flat on their face. Yeah, FF Final Fantasy 7 for Soldier. Oh, wait, no, that's dead too, lol. Final Fantasy for Soldier's dead. Overwatch 2 is very quickly on its way to, uh, to being dead. Dude, people are not happy about Overwatch 2, like, at all. When the people who are willing to overlook uh, Blizzard's, like, questionable behavior towards people are looking at the games and saying this is bad, you're in a rough spot. Square just can't launch a live service game to save their life unless it's, you know... Subscription Grace Step at 14. Zone in chat says Overwatch 2 needs the PvE content to be stellar if it wants to survive. That is very true. The fact that Overwatch 2 launched without the campaign mode, the story mode, is very concerning. Honestly, the fact that Overwatch 1 in general had no story mode, despite the fact that all around Overwatch, that game was dripping with a very interesting like post-Heroes World story. It was a very interesting concept in all the frickin' trailers and everything. A new hero's in introduced, and it had like a whole elaborate story. And then that story went nowhere because there, no, there was no PvE. There was no story mode. There was no campaign, even though it was very clear by, the fa by just how much effort actually went into story writing. There was more story writing in Overwatch 1 than there was in World of Warcraft, in modern World of Warcraft. Let that sink in for a minute. Overwatch wanted a better story than their flagship MMO. I mean, when WoW first launched, it barely had any story. It's just like, here's the Warcraft universe. Here's the world after Warcraft 3. Go be wowed by it. That, that was the story of WoW. Then they tried, later on, once FF14 started getting some traction, they, um... They tried to inject a story mode. Uh, Terra did a better job of implementing a story mode. And Terra died. Yeah, the WoW writing team can't write a story to save their lives. Overwatch's story is better than that. And there's actually no story in the game. Someone in chat says, other than the BS comp ranking system, they've enjoyed Overwatch 2, 2 quite a bit, actually. So the thing is that the actual game is fine because it's just rebalanced Overwatch 1. Like, that's the thing. <laughs> Like, that's fine, because it's just... It's, it's just... It's just OW1! 
just all they have to do. That's it. But otherwise, the monetization in Overwatch 2 just feels dirtier. It really does. And quite, I've said it once and I'll say it again. Overwatch 2 should have been Overwatch 1 version 2.0. That's what it should have been. Instead of trying to force this sequelization for a game that really isn't much of a sequel at all. And that, for me, is the real crime of Overwatch 2. And it's a real shame they had to go ahead and implement that fairly greedy battle pass system. Because I actually liked Overwatch 1. I didn't like the community of Overwatch 1, but I liked Overwatch 1 as a game. I really did. It is a shame. It really is a shame. Microsoft cannot buy Blizzard fast enough. Because if there's one thing the last few game launches have proven, it is, in fact, it is for a fact that if blizzard is left their own devices they will destroy themselves i think that much can be pretty much guaranteed straight up anyway with that uh that distraction out of the way let's talk about how uh, facebook plans on blocking news content because of canada's revenue sharing bill someone in chat says microsoft microsoft is good at turning around companies that are doing bad i will say Bethesda is in a better spot than they were. Rare is much worse off after Microsoft bought them than where they were. Mixer is obviously in a far worse spot since now than they are before they were bought by Microsoft. Like I would say that it has been hit and miss. Minecraft on the other hand is doing better, but they're already doing pretty good. But here's, someone asked what about Skype? What about Skype? There's the real question. Anyway, Facebook is threatening to block news content to Canada in regards to a new bill. A new bill that is being passed in Canada is is going to compel digital platforms to pay the news publishers for republishing. Now, this is especially a problem for social media sites because basically, if I wanted to, if this law passed and Facebook and Facebook has to pay for news that share on the site. All I have to do is make a bot that all it does is copy and paste links to every single article a news source has. Yeah, it all sounds like a good idea to, to say, hey, Facebook, you're benefiting off the backs of people posting news links on your website. And yeah, they are. But if I go ahead and make a bot to exploit the fact that Facebook have to pay, it's just generating free money to... Uh, to the to the actual news sites whoops so there's potential for a lot of big exploits honestly when it comes to this whole thing i am very indifferent i know that a lot of these news sites are very desperate to find additional revenue sources to the point where their sites end up becoming more ads than news look i'm sorry but when there's three paragraphs to your story and 103 ads on that same page you're running a bad site. There's just no other way to say it. Well, what's the right answer, Eagle? I don't know. I don't know. I feel the right answer, but it's not proven, is a hybrid model between base stories that are somewhat ad-supported, banner ad at the top, like two or three sidebar ads, and then an ad at the bottom. Sell the ad space that way. Don't be too overwhelming. But then also have your editorials and your more unique takes and, you, and some of your big exclusives behind a fairly cheap paywall. 
Because I do think people will be willing to pay like a dollar or two if you have the content to justify it. But I also say this as, you know, just some guy. I'm not going to try and pretend that I have the answers to it all. We're going to take our first break here when we come back. Amazon stock price is, is dropping too. Yay. This one, however, they have no metaverse to blame for their drop. We'll explain why after this. Welcome back, Eagle Eyes on Tech. I'm Eagle Falcon. All right, so we're going to discuss nothing about uh, about uh, discussions in the middle of the uh, of, of the break. <laughs> we're not going to discuss it at all. But you totally should check out twitch.tv slash Eagle Falcon so you can see how, how bad we derail. In any case, let's focus on Amazon. We spoke briefly while discussing Meta's stock price drop about how a lot of other companies are having their stock price dip fairly significantly, Amazon being one of them. Investors are reacting very strongly to the fact that Amazon is looking to cut back on its workforce as they start seeing, first off, A, people being allowed to go outside and thus not needing Amazon to deliver everything to their front door, but then also B, expecting consumer spending to go down as the dreaded R word rears its head once again. There's also one other element I think is playing a far bigger role than anyone wants to admit. How many of you have ordered an oddball little appliance or something from Amazon on the cheap and then found out that it was absolutely abysmal? I've seen reports of people getting a off-brand toaster and it's taking five times as long for it to toast bread. We got a stick vacuum for our work that barely had enough suction power to pick up a leaf. But then someone in chat brings up a point. But isn't that what reviews are for? Mm, it is, isn't it? It's also amazing how many times you're just very quickly going, oh, I'll just quickly get a cheap vacuum cleaner for the car or whatever. And all you do is look at the stars and not realize when you're going through the reviews, just how many of those reviews have a uh, very shockingly questionable grammar and make you wonder if they were in fact generated by either a botnet just bought in general or just disingenuous. The fake reviews are easy to point out, but it doesn't, but it doesn't help that, well, you get enough fake reviews, that star rating, which is what 90% of people are gonna go ahead and look at and not actually look at what it took to get there and see it. I sincerely do believe that these kind of quick purchases going on, on Amazon and end up being a terrible product and just the flood of terrible products in general lately are hurting Amazon far more than they're willing to admit. Someone in chat said, can we trust Logitech Fuse? By the way, I actually do have an update on that. I believe I talked about, um, for, I, I, we talked about how Logitech and their streaming cloud system had a whole lot of uh, early reviews that didn't make sense. And then the Linus Tech Tips community got caught wind of this and started flooding the review system with their own memes. They took it down. I believe we report on that. I didn't realize that you had to go to a verify email. Cause when I went through my junk email, 
I found out that in fact, yes, I did have to click a box in an email that showed up in my junk mail filter to approve my super meme-tastic review. Whoops. Not that it matters because the review system for the Logitech Cloud Gaming System has been all pulled down now. (laughs) The surprise of literally no one. But in any case, I do think Amazon really is having a quality problem. And in fact, I would dare argue that almost all of Amazon services in general feel like they have a bit of a quality problem. Amazon owns Twitch. Name the last feature that launched on Twitch that had a very clean and smooth launch and was great to use. Yeah, it's been a while, hasn't it? I would say Twitch Prime Gaming was the first and last. (laughs) That's it. Auto mid-roll ads. Even that had a terrible launch. Here's the fun part about those. When they first launched, the streamers weren't getting credit. Whoops. Amazon's Luna service hasn't really, like, done much at all. Animated emotes on Twitch. Okay, I'll give you that. The animated emotes rollout has been fine. It just took forever. I think Prime Video has been fine for the most part, even though it's interface on mobile just seems like a nightmare to navigate and also just saying like oh yeah it's available on prime oh thank god let me go ahead and get this on prime nah jk you can buy it if you have prime someone in chat says they wish that twitch was bought by google back in the day i don't because then then it means that uh twitch and uh stadia would be sharing the same grave seriously right now if there's actually no no i do have more faith in google's software engineers than I do Amazon's. I'll say that much. But holy cow, Google is so quick to end support and yank plugs on anything. They really, really are. And it, it is awful. But back to my point. They are, Amazon is entering a hiring freeze for almost all of its divisions. A lot of their projects are being cut back, including the delivery robots. Their virtual travel experience, most likely because nobody likes virtual reality because the Zuck got into it. And uh, some good news to come out of it. Amazon announced it would end its healthcare venture at the end of this year. Hey, one less thing for the Amazon tentacle to worve its way in. Uh, Someone in chat says they like VR, but they don't like Zuckerberg's VR. It's so true. Someone in the chat asked, what were they going to do with healthcare? Oh, you didn't hear? Amazon was going to go launch their own healthcare service. And there was much, and there was much concerned groans across the planet when they announced that. And now we can take, breathe a sigh of relief because it's over. Because Amazon realized, wow, healthcare hard. To which I'd say, yeah, yeah, it is. Haven't you noticed? You want to talk about an industry where no one is happy? Healthcare. There is no easy answer in the world of healthcare, but there is an easy answer for the Apple AirPods Max. It is to simply just leave them as it, as it is and not automatically nerf the uh, noise canceling feature through a software update. <laughs> yep, that's right. Apple's done it again. Nerfing their products through a software update so that you go ahead and buy the new version. Did they really think no one would notice? I just, I just don't get it. Zone in chat says that uh, Amazon would have forced their employees to get get it if they they kept it. So 
a company in the U.S. cannot force anyone to get health care, to get or health insurance, I should say. But the the federal government does require you to get health care. Your work after a certain threshold must offer some kind of health care program. And they work with various other organizations like Blue Cross, Blue Shield. Um, what are some of the other ones? But a lot of them, you can't actually like talk to them. Like for example, my company, I can't offer a healthcare program at, at, the, at my company because those companies, because th- those healthcare providers, those health insurance providers will not talk to a company unless you have a certain number of employees. My company being only eight people falls below their threshold. So that just puts us in a super awkward spot. The Red Cross is not a healthcare provider. The Red Cross actually is a, um, well, how would you describe the Red Cross to, uh, someone outside of the U.S.? Humanitarian effort. That actually is a very good, uh, description of what they do. They are like a charity, but they play an active role in trying to help those who are afflicted by some kind of disaster. The Red Cross also provides... Uh, training sessions for basic first aid as well. Yeah, humanitarian effort and a charity. Uh, humanita- humanitarian charity is the best way to uh, to call them. That's where the Red Cross kind of qualifies. Blue Cross is a uh, health healthcare provider, or rather health insurance. But anyway, we're getting off track. Apple nerfing headphones. Oh, that's right. Red Cross actually does have uh, outlets outside the U.S. as well. It really like never like. It never really like crosses my mind with that just because I used to work with Red Cross. We, we actually had a contract with Red Cross actually here locally. So I, I always just think of them just because I freaking, I mean, I used to go there like every week. You really don't think of, think of something, something like that in their little out, outlet here in this neck of the woods as um, global. It doesn't feel it, you know? Yeah, they were nice people when we had them. Anyway, AirPods Max. There was, in fact, a software update, specifically software update 4E71, that actually drastically decreased the active noise cancellation effect on the AirPods Max, but does not alter them on the new generation of the AirPods Max. Well, then, I mean, it doesn't, does it really take a genius to figure out exactly why they did this? It's obvious. You're, isn't it obvious it's to buy the new ones? It is not to save battery life. Come on, chat. You know better. <laughs> it is absolutely not to save. Uh, but yeah, more signs that in case you thought maybe Apple's not that bad, actively hurting your $500 wireless headphones because if you wanted good audio quality you couldn't just hook up your own studio monitors like i'm wearing right now to your phone through its what should be existing headphone jack because of course we live in a post headphone jack world except for you know people who actually work with audio on the regular or you know actually care yeah we still lost that battle by the way Someone chat, see, headphone jacks are so relevant. My desire for a headphone jack is valid on my phone. And that right there, friends, is someone who is in denial. They, they, they just want their headphone jack back. And unfortunately, the world is denying them of it. 
I hate it too, but I hate to break it to you. The, the, the battle's over. We lost. The end. But while Apple decides to be a complete monster, they do actually have some good to them. Apple has pulled their gambling ads from the App Store product pages. See, they can do good. There's no more gambling on the App Store. Granted, there had to be some significant backlash for them to actually do it, but look, no more gambling on, uh, on the iPhone. It's, it's all gone. Every, everything good now, right? 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 Also, can I just say, mobile game ads are getting stranger and stranger and stranger and stranger. Holy cow. On Android especially, I can't vouch for iOS, but you know what I've uh, you know what I've been seeing a lot of? I am not exaggerating when I say this. There has been a surge from several different brands of CBD gummies that are supposedly six times stronger than Viagra. Unprompted. By the way, that's not how that works. That's not how anything works. That is not what CBD does at all. Not even remotely close. I, 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 and then of course there's just the normal colossal, what the heck even is this like fake gambling ad trying to say that, uh, that, that you can make tons upon tons of money by playing solitaire. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, that, that seems legit. I, I just, I don't get it. I have no idea if ads this bad or if ads are this bad on iOS, but holy cow, if they are some, uh, some work needs to be done, but back to iPhone, no more gambling ads. That is good news. What's even more good news is in fact that we have confirmation. The iPhone will in fact be switching to a standard port. I know I'm shocked too. They will be, in fact, they have confirmed the next iPhone, most likely the iPhone 15, will in fact use USB-C. So that's it then, right? Maybe, just maybe, the lightning cable will be dead? Yeah, not quite. Unfortunately, App Apple has, in fact, still said that many of their other electronic devices will still use lightning for now. So unfortunately... We will still have lightning on the bottom of the magic mouse. Why is there light? Why is there a charging port on the bottom of the mouse? I will never know. Why would you ever want a charging port on the bottom? I can't get over that still. It has been years since they made that terrible design decision. And th that bothers me more than the removal of the headphone jack. I know a lot of you listeners out there are just adamant that the worst thing to happen in the world of technology has been the removal of the headphone jack on the iPhone. And I've moved on. I wish, I wish the headphone jack would return, but I'm willing to move on from that. I've lost, all right? I'll just go ahead and use Bluetooth like a crazy person. I wanna know who thought in their right mind a port on the bottom was a good idea so that, you know, while the mouse is charging, it is literally unusable. I just don't understand. But yes, the AirPods cable, the AirPods cases will still be using lightning. Keyboard and mouse that are wireless will still use lightning. All of them will still use Apple's terrible proprietary port because of course they make a little itsy bitsy teeny little money on it. 
but it is what it is. Someone in chat says Bluetooth is, is far from on par with headphone jacks. Here's where I look at it though, all right? If I'm on the go, I'll just live with the fact that, you know, I just got Bluetooth headsets. You know, it's, it's whatever. If I really want a good audio experience, guess what? I sure as heck I'm not gonna do it off my phone. Considering in fact, you know, I have good quality headphones hooked up to a mixer already on my computer. So clearly I expect everyone to have totally over the top elaborate audio setups like I do so they can go ahead and add booming echoes to their voice like this for no reason. That's what everyone should do, clearly. But regardless, seeing, th th seeing USB-C make it to the iPhone is still good news. Someone in the chat said, for those who can, you can still get a USB DAC for wired headphones. That is true. Since it's you and USB-C, as long as iOS supports it, a USB DAC is still definitely on, on, the, on the table. I'm also willing to bet, here, here's my bold prediction, two months before I have to start making bold predictions. I think the iPhone 15 will just have standard USB-C on the standard model, but I think we'll see uh, Thunderbolt on the iPhone for, uh, 15 Pro. And with that, that's gonna unlock a lot of potential for the Pro model versus the standard model for things like USB DACs and whatnot, getting a lot more bandwidth and a lot better. And I'll have enough bandwidth to easily transfer your data and charge the blasted phone at the same time. I swear, if new iPhone docks do not include charging in addition to the other nonsense, I'm gonna be sad. Although that does mean that you start opening the floodgates for the worst possible scenario, a dongle ball to go with your phone. You're all thinking about it too, aren't you? The Thunderbolt splitter to like five USB-Cs, those five USB-Cs going to like wireless mic adapter, an audio DAC, your charger. You're seeing it now, aren't you? This octopus of dongles coming off the bottom of your iPhone 15 Pro. You can see it now, can't you? All right, well, now that we're done with that, that nightmare, let's go to one that's a bit, that's a bit better. The fact that Apple is going to be raising the, raising the price of its Apple Music, Apple TV Plus, and Apple One starting now. Starting right meow. It is going up by $1 for individuals, $2 for families, and Apple TV Plus is just raising by $2 overall. Apple One is going up $3 per month as well. So small increases, but still notable. That whole thing of everything, everything's prices slowly creeping up is now affecting those models as well. Whee! Who's excited about this? No one? Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, isn't it great? Isn't it just great? Well, if you thought Apple was the only one, I got bad news. Steam is updating their pricing, and, and in some areas, Steam's pricing is doubling. A lot of Steam game prices are going up just a slight amount, but in some regions, the rate is going up nearly double. Why? Why is it going up by nearly double? Well, it's very simple. It's because they very rarely ever look at regional pricing. So as I look at their bottom line and seeing some red numbers instead of, you know, green or black numbers, they're updating the rates to what is considered comparable. But they're now saying that Valve will commit to updating Steam's regional pricing more regularly. Whee! Someone in chat says Valve has also gotten into the hardware bi business now in a much bigger way. 
and needs to make sure they stay profitable because, you know, developing hardware is expensive AF. It's a very good point. It is a very, very good point. Especially since, think about this for a minute. Look at how much these cloud gaming devices cost. And they're using basically potatoes inside those shells. And what has our comment been the entire time? Oh man, you can get the, the Razer cloud gaming device for $400. You can get Logitech's cloud gaming device for $350. Whoa. Or, you know, you get the Steam Deck starting at 400 and play the games natively and not on the cloud. Hmm. Funny that. That Steam Deck is extremely aggressively priced. It would not surprise me at all if Valve is only making, what would you say, 50, 25 bucks a unit on that Steam Deck? I'd say about that much. Like the, pro the profit margins on that Steam Deck are not high at all. Someone in chat says near even. Yeah, it wouldn't, again, would not surprise me at all if it was, you know, dead even. If they weren't making any money at all. But it's all to go ahead and get more people into their ecosystem which is why it's profitable. It's also just a huge game changer for Valve. Because one thing that Valve has been concerned with, they have known Steam can't be their pure end game. Because eventually, and we've been seeing it more and more out of Microsoft, they are trying to have more and more control over Windows. It's been slow, granted, mostly because most Windows users are extremely stubborn and very much complain the instant, underline, the instant, we see even the slightest bit of change where we, use, where we lose even the slightest bit of control. Yeah, you iPhone users, you gave up your headphone jack very easily. Us Windows users, heck no. But with Xbox services, like someone in chat just said, coming to Windows, it threatens Steam significantly. So for them to have success on this mobile console sort of thing that runs on Linux, it's huge. Very, very huge. And I gotta say, Valve's strategy is working amazingly. Like there's tons of people out there who are in the gaming space, but not the tech space that now know about the Steam Deck. How many of those people that now know about the Steam Deck knew that the Steam Link exists, that knew that the Steam Controller exists? or that there used to be a distributable Steam OS that was out there and developers were trying to make, or that designers were trying to make Steam boxes that were gonna be small household consoles. How many even know those existed? I think it's just the tech enthusiasts like me and a, and a handful of you guys out there as well. That's it. They were obscure when they launched and they fell into even further obscurity now. Thank you, random drive-by Harley, for that soft buzz. The Steam Deck is making huge splashes. It is incredibly impressive. Someone in chat says, or, or those people who, who knows you can access Steam on various Chromebooks. Yeah, go ahead, do that. Go play Steam on your Chromebook, see what happens. I hope you enjoy finding out you still need an actual computer to play on it, because guess what? Dude, Steam on Chrome OS was the biggest lie ever. Because you know what Steam on Chrome OS is? It is a client to cloud stream games on your Chromebook 
from a real computer. You got bamboozled and you got bamboozled hard. We're gonna take a break here and when we come back, let's talk about the, the, the real elephant in the room. The elephant known as Twitter. We'll be back. Welcome back, Eagle Eyes on Tech. I'm Eagle Falcon. All right, so it has now officially happened. Elon Musk is now in control of Twitter. And in fact, his first act when going into Twitter was to bring a sink in so that you could, in fact, let the fact that Elon now owns Twitter sink in that's the that's the opening act a pun really freaking really but of course that of course isn't the real first thing that matters oh no 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 the first thing that must did of course was to get rid of the top executives. And what's really interesting about the reaction to this is how much the internet and tech journalism in general exploded on this news. Chat's noticing that I didn't phrase the pun correctly, that I didn't say, let that sink in, let that sink in. I'm not going to dignify the terrible pun by doing it correctly. No, bad. It's a bad pun. I'm not going to give it the light of day it deserves. I'm just not. No. But yes, tech outlets and journalists everywhere blew up. Because Musk got rid of the top executives. Of course he got rid of the top executives. What was he going to do? Leave the current leadership in after spending freaking how many billions of dollars to take control? Of course not. This was the biggest no-brainer of things that was going to happen ever. Of course the top execs are gone. I would, it would be bigger news if they were left in. That would be far bigger and far more interesting news if they're still gonna be around. So no, the fact that the top execs are out is not surprising literally at all. What's even more surprising is the fact that more tech journalists decided that um, they were gonna forget their brain cell and were stunned when Elon Musk reportedly said that no, he is in fact not gonna fire 75% of the staff in Twitter. Do you have any idea how much of a PR nightmare that'd be? If Elon actually fired 75% of the staff, it is far harder to just simply fire someone than most people would think. That it would be a colossal number of I's dotted and T's crossed. You need probable cause to fire someone and just say, oh, we're going to fire 70, 75% of the staff blankedly. Oh, no, 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 no. You're going to keep an eye on this 75% staff to find probable cause to fire 
So I wanted to ask, since when did Elon care about PR? When it actually affects his pocketbook. It's very easy to go ahead and have a bad take on a social media platform because it's just words. That's it, it's just words. Actually doing it is another thing entirely. And I'm not gonna lie, when this whole thing was going down and I reported on this, just saying this guy's crazy, there's a reason why I've been talking about the saga for a while. It's because I felt like I needed to step back, take a breather. Let's look at this logically, okay? Do I think Elon's gonna fix Twitter? I don't know how one can fix Twitter. Cause here's the thing, Twitter's not as good as most people will want you to think it is. The main reason why my Twitter feed is great is because I've gone to a long and lengthy process of curating and filtering out my Twitter feed so that it is tolerable. Twitter by its very nature is a very toxic place to be in the first place. Well, people are saying, oh, Elon's going to make it much worse. Like, how? He's going to let all those terrible people back in. What, the people you ignored in the first place? Like, that's the thing. People are saying one of the best things that ever happened was Trump getting, getting banned off Twitter. I literally saw zero difference before and after because I went ahead and used the curation tools that are built into Twitter. Unless those are tweaked with, there's no problem. Is it possible Elon's going to mess it up? Yes. Is it possible he can improve it? Yes. Both are equally possible. But I think a lot of people are just blanket saying Musk bad, thus Twitter now bad. Take a breather, step back, breathe in, breathe out. Let your phone just decide to buzz in the middle of your point with an ad from a local pizza place that is way too high priced and you're just gonna put one in from the freezer later in anyway. Breathe in, breathe out. There's only one thing, honestly, that has happened recently that has me a bit concerned. And that is the fact that Elon is bringing in Tesla engineers to review Twitter's code. Ah, yes, the Tesla engineers, the same people who thought turnstocks were for suckers, the same Tesla engineers that thought a gauge cluster in right behind the steering wheel, you know, the most convenient place and the safest place to glance down to view vital information while driving is for suckers. The same people that thought capacitive buttons on a steering wheel with no tactile feel is better. Uh-huh. But then again, we're also talking about a code that's been in, that's been in Twitter as employees for so long that it took them how long to get us an edit button? The most requested feature in all of Twitter, how long did that take them to get us an edit button? So it's basically which flavor of idiot do I trust more? It's a tough call to be perfectly honest. So, I mean, the bar is very, very low. Oh yeah, and the edit button's behind a paywall. I almost care less about that than the fact it took them forever to even contemplate the most requested feature in forever. Now, of course, there are a number of actors that we are expecting to be concerning. Like the fact that the Donald Trump ban is expected to be reversed among some other ones. I actually do wonder if he would if he would even come back. I actually do legitimately wonder if he would. But as long as the someone in chat says 100% will, I don't know. Went ahead and made his own social social network where he went ahead and had his own. I actually don't know if I can even say, say the phrase and still keep my uh, my friend my family fr friendly ra rating or not or non explicit rating. 
on it. But you get what I mean. He, he went ahead and already bailed and made his own social network. I would say 70% would, 30% won't. But I do guarantee if things get out of hand, there is a 100% chance that I will just, you know, go over to the name, click on it, and then go to this crazy thing called mute. And like that, magic, gone. And I never have to look at it again. The mute button is the most magical button on all of Twitter. And as long as they don't mess with that, I could care less. But I do want to remind everyone, actions always speak louder than words. For example, one of the things in the entire absolute excrement show that was Elon buying Twitter, one of the things is that he said is that it was going to be a free speech haven, no moderation, no censorship at all. Elon now says Twitter will have a content moderation council. Well, it's good to see that lasted so long. It's good to see that, uh, that, that, that whole pitch lasted a grand total of 10 days. Uh-huh. Yeah which honestly is the healthier answer anyway. Now, with that said, I want to give you the duality of tech journalism, okay? I give you this editorial article from The Verge, just titled, Welcome to, and I don't know if I can actually say that word and still keep my non-explicit rating on certain podcasting platforms, H-E double hockey sticks, Elon where the first line is, you effed up real good, where effed is actually the, ac the actual F word written out. Oh, someone had it better. Better. Welcome to the home of for infinite losers, Elon. <laughs> oh, that's, that's a much better one. <laughs> the whole thing is just one giant screed about how Elon's going to mess this up with basically no justifications as to why. I'm trying to go ahead and just cite past behavior as the pure reason why Twitter, despite the fact it was, quote, a disaster clown car company that is successful despite itself for varying terms of the word successful. I'll be perfectly honest. I do not consider Twitter a successful company. For a company like Twitter to be generating as little revenue as it does while being as obnoxious with its ads as possible is atrocious from a business standpoint. I'll just phrase it like that it would be like twitter or like twitch trying to say that uh, streamers need to run six minutes of ads ev every hour and only paying them a couple hundred dollars a month wait so we have that and a lot of articles like that far more than i could put onto my bar here for notes talked about how elon's gonna ruin it twitter is absolutely ruined they're doomed employees are already being fired it's already the end of days it's been one business day one you want to know how much actual solid change is going to happen in one business day not much this next week's going to tell you far far more than anything else but of course while the verge goes ahead and put puts out an angry screed on one page the verge also commits an actual random moment of actual journalism by pointing out that a lot that almost all of the people that are leaving the, the Twitter employee HQ are merely pretending to be laid off. What a bunch of idiots. What a bunch of idiots. I don't think these idiots have any idea how much this hurts. The actual look of the Twitter employees. But here's the worst part. I don't 
I, I dislike Elon. I do. I really do. Especially the way he just absolutely takes nothing seriously. But for the employees to go ahead and perform this stunt makes them look more unhinged than Elon. This isn't helping your case. Dude, if you're trying to go and point out how your new boss is crazy, acting crazier doesn't help. It just makes it look like you've now been fired. Like if all these employees are now laid off, like if any of them were actually employees just pretending to be laid off and now they get laid off, this ends up becoming the justification for laying them off for being insubordinate. Oh, but Eagle, don't you know? Twitter's already already worse. It's only been one day and the use of racial slurs went up by, by 500%. It's already a worse place and it's only been a few days. You guys have no idea how badly you all got trolled by that, did you? Use of the N-word on Twitter jumped by 500% after Elon Musk's takeover led by trolls. A number of furry communities, in addition to 4chan itself, coordinated an absolute spam of reprehensible text for, well, what's basically referred to as the lulls to see just how many pearl cl clenching blue check marks they could get to freak out over this. No, there hasn't been a massive unbanning of any kind of racist out there. It's literally, not figuratively, literally, tens of thousands of idiots from the poll and B boards, as well as a, nu a number of less than repu reputable subreddits that all wanted to see just how much you'd fall for it. And you did. Look, I know I have a lot of experience with dealing with, with, with trolls, mo mostly because in my high school days, I was one of those trolls. Someone in chat says, but it says report says, it, it, it was a coordinated, it, it was coordinated by 4chan. I can confirm this. See, unlike back in my day, nowadays, 4chan has this wonderful thing called an archive. When a thread gets, falls off the first 10, now 15 pages, it goes in an archive and you can just look back up to see what it was. Pole and B both had very, very big threads on Friday to coordinate this, this, this attack. The funny thing is that you could tell very much it was a coordinated just attack rather than just people just try rather than just uh just a whole bunch of people try trying to go ahead and be actual racists because the only time the only people they target are the blue check marks the actual verified accounts that would go ahead and raise a stink oh no they knew exactly what they were doing it is painfully obvious exactly what they're doing you would especially know what was going on when on the day it was going on a most likely your own thread your own timeline did not see a change at all, unless you actually followed any one of these uh, verified accounts that were targets. But then also B, the idiots talked about it on Twitter enough and helped coordinate the attack on Twitter using Twitter that they got 4chan trending. No, it was painfully obvious what was going on. <laughs> and also not to say that back in my day, we did it better. But back in my day, we did it better. We didn't talk about it on the platform that you're hitting. Why do you, th these, these dinguses, quick. Does anyone know what the first two rules of the internets are? First rule of the internet, do not talk about B. Second rule of the internet, do not talk about B. 
this, this is the exact reason why those two rules exist. They were specifically put in for these kinds of attacks. Do not talk about who sent you. Idiots. Literal idiots. To be clear, because someone said being dinguses didn't stop the story from being published. The story is very important because a lot of people are, are, are not pointing out the fact that trolls were testing the limits. The reason this report is important because it is saying that trolls were testing the limits of free speech. The thing that's stupid about the, uh, about the article is that they're saying, hey, reports say this. The only real journalistic crime in this Insider article where it ends with reports say, says is that it literally takes almost no effort to see who the heck actually did it. It literally takes no effort. All you have to do is go to the trending tab for crying out loud because the morons disobeyed rule one and two. You do, do not talk about B. And that was my lead. Was the fact 4chan trended? Oh, let's go in the archives. Let's see, up oh, there it is. That moment when the podcasting hobbyist does more journalist, <laughs> journalist investigations than the actual journalists. And yes, we're talking about the same rules that have rule 34 and rule 63. Rule 34, there is porn of it, no exception. Rule 63, there is a gender swap version of any character, no exceptions. Those exact same set of rules. Ugh. But in any case, after 27 minutes, or however the heck it's gonna be after curating down my pauses, here's the bottom line. At this time, the only thing that has changed within Twitter is the fact that the old leads are out of Twitter. And considering the fact that Twitter was super slow to innovate in any way, shape, or form, honestly, them being out is probably a good thing. Will Elon be better? I don't know. I know the way he's going to run Twitter is going to be better than his stupid ramblings on Twitter says he'll be. Because so far, the actual... What's the right word I'm looking for? So far, the actual... um the actual amount of what he said he is going to do on Twitter and what he's actually doing matches up almost not at all. Bans so far have not been reversed at the time of recording. The company is still public as of right now. No actual staff members have been fired, but Tesla engineers are looking over the code. This next week is going to tell us far more. The only problem is that we have to be very careful with what articles we read because there are far, far too many journalists right now that have such a big hate boner for Elon, they are going to bite onto the first thing they possibly can without verifying anything. So, be careful what you read, verify any stories you find, because man, oh man, every single tech journalist seems to be sharing one brain cell, and that brain cell is rotten right now. They really do need to get that brain rot looked at because it's not healthy and it's not good for these various outlets. We're going to take a break here. When we come back, let's finish off the show. We got a lot of interesting little stories coming from the Xbox world. Microsoft Windows 11 on ARM looks like it may be coming as well as being careful. What's in your kids candy and no. It's not clickbait, it's actually really cool.
Welcome back, Eagle Eyes on Tech. I'm Eagle Falcon. All right. I want to talk about the absolute insanity that is in in-game items being locked in but behind real life purchases. So one thing that's actually been a big issue recently in the Final Fantasy 14 world is in fact a collectible th uh, statue that holds an FF14 emote attached to it being sold on the black market for thousands of dollars. Now that's being tracked down and the developers of FF14 are trying to crack down on it. I personally think that doing something like that, having emotes locked into physical goods is um, really bad. I hate it. I actually hate it. Cause the thought that I need to go ahead and spend, spend money on a collectible because I want an emote in game is kind of, uh, it feels wrong. It feels dirty. But what's made worse is when people are spending $40 on a burger on the third party market to get a skin for Call of Duty Modern Warfare. I don't almost say this is worse because it's a freaking burger. I mean, the collectible, okay, there's a limited number of them, you know, whatever. This is literally just a promotional material. It's meant to just be stupid as a little promotional thing between Burger King and Activision to try and promote Modern Warfare 2. But the fact that now it's escalated to the fact where people are spending $40 on codes from a burger. I'd almost say this is worse than the collectible statue. At least the collectible statue on the resale market will get some increased value because it's collectible. It's intended to be limited. This is a freaking burger. Just ew. Just ew. This disgusts me. And thus I had to share it with you. But meanwhile, in other sections of the gaming world, developers are showing great distaste for one big elephant in the room. So in the gaming world, when you develop a game, you make the target hardware the lowest common denominator, okay? Whatever the weakest platform is, you develop your game for that, with the exception of Nintendo, because most likely Nintendo's not gonna prove your game anyway. It's, it's, it's a weird situation Nintendo has, all right? They're, they're, they're like the excuse in all this, all right? But when it comes to the current gen consoles, you have the PC, which its performance ceiling is basically infinite. The PS5, which is very consistent. Both versions of the PS5 have roughly the exact same performance from model to model. But the Xbox has a problem. Because you have the Xbox Series X, which has something like 14 teraflops of performance, and then the Series S, which only has about four teraflops of performance. I'm pulling these numbers basically out of thin air based on what I vaguely recall. So the numbers are probably not accurate, but you get my point. The Series S is radically slower than the Series X. So you develop for the Series S and are unable to take full advantage of the PS5, unless you make a PS5 exclusive, or the Xbox Series X. Developers are finally being vocal about this problem because it is now becoming an anchor to their ability to develop or an albatross as they're phrasing it. And developers are trying to get them to say, look, we wanna develop our name, but we cannot have it be Series S compatible. I'm a little surprised it's taken this long for the complaints to actually start being vocal. 
And this is also one of the things I kind of led on to when I said that the Series S being widely available doesn't really matter because it's the Series X that everyone's going to really target. Because that Series X has all the juicy, juicy hardware. And the Series S is more of just like, it's the cheap version. And I thought it was actually very interesting that Microsoft launched with two radically different consoles in the same generation at the same time. And it seems like console developers are super not amused with this at all. Like, could you imagine trying to make a graphically insane game and then be told, oh, hey, by the way, it also needs to be able to work on a literal toaster. I want this to be the most cinematic masterpiece ever. And I want it to run on this flash drive. Yeah, good luck. It's not gonna happen. We're starting to see developers really gripe about it. Meanwhile, though, in the Windows world, Microsoft wants to get Windows for ARM truly going. And thus, the Windows Dev Kit 2023 is launching out there. The quote, Project Volterra. The Windows 2023 ARM Dev Kit. And look, thanks to Linus Tech Tips and for whatever reason, a bunch of people willing to go ahead and hand over a bunch of dev kits. We now have actually seen quite how quite a few dev kits actually look. And um, this new dev kit from Microsoft looks nothing like the other dev kits. And that's actually very interesting. Like this dev kit is literally just like a Mac mini. That's it. A lot of the other dev kits we've seen have had readouts on them. So you know exactly how much is being consumed. So you can try and optimize everything for that. Well, not so much here. But then again, I mean, it's good we're at least seeing the dev kit because trying to just launch Windows for ARM and not have this dev kit out there for developers to go ahead and make their stuff for ARM just leads to everyone being angry. But I want to come back to an earlier pro earlier topic, the duality of tech media. From The Verge, the Microsoft Surface Pro 9 with ARM shows that Windows on ARM is not ready. While the exceptional hardware is there, the software incompatibilities are evident. Meanwhile, from XDA, the Windows Pro 9 shows that Windows on ARM is finally ready for the mainstream. Okay, so which one of you two is sharing the brain cell right now? Cause you both can't be right. Look, if you want the actual answer, the answer is actually pr very obvious if you looked at the story before these two. The correct answer is The Verge. Windows for ARM is not ready yet because software compatibility is not there yet. If you go ahead and use only a handful of apps that are actually ready for ARM like XDA did, you might be tricked in the illusion that Windows for ARM is ready for the masses. Guess what? It's not because the compatibility for for Windows on ARM is actually very low. You cannot actually go ahead and use it yet. It is just actually very, very atrocious. Someone in chat said I have to warn them before visiting the Ugly Verge page. So I went ahead and opened a new pad, a, a new tab, and just went to the home page. And it's absolutely unnavigatable nonsense and just started scrolling up and down out of spite. I don't know why I decided to do that but I felt like the audio people also need to know that. Meanwhile, Modern Warfare 2, which by the way, didn't we already have a Modern Warfare 2? Like we already had one, right? Anyway, the new version of Modern Warfare 2 has a problem. In a first person shooter, there are the correct controls and then there are the controls you have to use. In a first person shooter, 
99 times out of 100, you will perform better on a keyboard and mouse. You simply have more precision that you can execute faster with keyboard and mouse. There are exceptions to the rule, of course. Some people are just not that good with a keyboard and mouse, and some people can show some exceedingly well skill with a game controller console or a game controller. Well, of course, you can't hook up a keyboard and mouse to a console, usually, and be able to game that way. So you use the controller on the console and you use keyboard and mouse on the PC because you're not an animal. So normally, crossplay for first person shooters usually is just between consoles and other PCs. Except in Modern Warfare 2, where in fact you cannot disable the crossplay. And if you're on console and you just want to have a casual time while you get used to your controller, you got bad news. You get to play with the PC people who are going to get much more used to the controls much more quickly because it's keyboard and mouse where there is an inherent and undoubtable advantage. Whoops. Someone in chat says you can't disable crossplay on an Apex either. Oh, good. So they're both wrong. It doesn't change the fact that it's wrong. You should have the option if you don't want to play with PC players who are most likely going to be better skilled than you because the controllers are easier. You should have the option to say, you know, I'd rather just be paired with consoles, please. Okay, thanks. I don't know what it is as of late and for services to just not give the option. It's basic, but it is what it is. YouTube has actually listened to people. I know I'm stunned too. YouTube has listened to people. And now on both mobile and the live versions of the website, channels will have their videos short clips and their live feeds and live VODs, if that channel does live streaming, all separated under separate tabs. Bravo, bravo, they did it. They actually managed to listen to the masses. They actually listened to, they actually listened to advice and took it. Unlike changing the UI for the upteenth time without people's consent. Okay, actually real talk though, the new, YouTube UI. How many of you have noticed the difference? My version of it, for whatever reason, I only just recently, like a couple days ago, finally did YouTube update to its new UI on my, uh, on my windows. And I admit I've only been casually using it. I haven't like done a deep dive into it. Honestly, it's not bad. The only thing that was a little weird was the fact that, um, the description is now in like a different colored box. And the first time I thought, saw it, I thought it was like the COVID or conspiracy fact-checking updates they put at the bottom of certain videos, but it was actually the description. Other than that, I actually like it. Like, it's just a very minor UI update, but one of the things that's very interesting, and I want you to actually take a look at this the next time you view a video, when you're in dark mode, which is the correct mode, by the way, if you use light mode, you hate your eyes and you need to seek help. Using light mode on a computer is actually a form of self-harm and you need to go to counseling. I'm just saying, it is important that you get the help you need. Anyway, if you actually go to a video, I want you to pay close attention to the border around the video in the UI. It'll do something very interesting. It will very faintly and subtly change the color around the video to blend in with the color tone of the video. So if it's a very dark video, it will stay black around the video. If it's a lighter color, you'll see like a light gray gradient into the rest of the darkness there. So it actually, it actually makes it easier to watch. 
Yeah, if you're using it on your phone, I, I don't think there's a difference, like, at all. But on the desktop, it is a very subtle touch, but a nice one. I'll give them... This actually might be the first time YouTube has updated its UI, and it was actually for the best. It, it's, it's been a while. Where it was actually, like, actual improvements, rather than just, like, we're moving it here. Why? Just to mess with you. No other reason. Did it work? Have you been messed with? In other oddball news, NVIDIA has very silently launched the GeForce RTX 3060 with eight gigabytes of RAM instead of whatever the heck it had before. Do we need to say why they did this? Anyone? Why would NVIDIA very quietly and very suddenly launch an RTX 3060 with slightly more RAM? It starts with an I. Rhymes with Intel. Yeah, it, it's Intel. You can't rhyme a word with its same word. Shut up. Intel Arc chips, the new ones that are just out that are competing directly in the 60 tier. NVIDIA is launching this GPU specifically to compete with Intel in the price to performance. This is very interesting. This is going to be a little bit cheaper. And its sole purpose is just to go ahead and be cheaper and compete with the Arc A750. I am convinced of this. It's going to be very difficult to convince me otherwise. So, lower end 3060 available, most likely will be cheaper. It's very curious. And if you actually enjoy the savings from going ahead and getting an NVIDIA card instead of an NVIDIA card, you can use that money to go ahead and spend on Adobe, who suddenly decided that, um, well, if you want to go ahead and use Pantone colors, you know, an industry standard in the colorology world, or colorist world, whatever the heck it actually is, you now have to spend an additional few dollars to add the support back in. The Pantone color system has been dropped from their software, and to get it back, it costs an additional $21 a month. Again, this, this looks like it, this was caused by the Pantone company in general, trying to go ahead and charge Adobe more for the for supporting this sort of software. But this this is just one giant mess of why? Why do we have to pay subscription fees for professional software? This is the worst. Seriously, it was not that long ago. It was one payment and done. Oh no, it's a couple hundred dollars. It cost me what? $300 for my copy of Sony Vegas? Better than giving Adobe $60 a month? This is absurd. And the fact that it now costs, if you're a studio and now you got to pay an additional $20 on top of your $60 plus per creator for your studio, this is gross. This is actually gross. I hate it. We are moving closer and closer to a world. Well, who am I kidding? We're already in like a, a weird dystopian future where in fact, the moment you stop paying, you lose everything that you paid for. Someone in chat says they foresee Adobe going bankrupt. I don't, because there's no direct competitor to Adobe. Someone in chat says all this does is encourage piracy. It really does. Like, it just makes it more and more attractive. I hope it actually does get DaVinci to go ahead and uh, push up what they're going to do. Because they really do need to step up their game to put Adobe on watch. To actually, like, you know, do better. Speaking of dystopian future, Shutterstock is offering an AI art tool for users to pay artists who helped train it. Ah, yes. Now that we've created the AIs that make artists obsolete, now we'll go ahead and compensate those art artists a little bit. 
for their contribution to making artists obsolete. It is very hard for me to look at this story as anything but what I just said. Oh man, thank God. I can, con I can help contribute and pay the artists who got suckered into replacing their jobs with robots. Someone in chat said, here's your 13 pieces of silver next. It really does come off that way, doesn't it? It feels bad. I need a feel-good story. Does anyone have a good feel-good story? How about a story that proves that I am smarter than the average person solely because I played video games growing up? And because of that, I am one of the children that have gotten a cognitive boost from playing video games in my young years. Aha, see, 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 see? I'm smarter and faster and whatnot because I went and played Mario as a kid. Woo! Someone in chat asked, how is that a feel-good story? Well, I feel better. <laughs> it's more, it's a better feel-good story than everything else we've been covering. Someone in chat, someone in chat said, I thought they rot your brain. Yeah, we showed them. We found one story that justifies our, 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 uh, our, our addiction to video games that counteracts all the, all the ranting and raving about how video games will rot your brains. I actually am curious how this study ends up going from here on out. I actually am curious <laughs> to see how... This goes ahead. Someone in chat says Candy Crush makes brain bigger. All right, all right. Maybe this study has no legs after all. If Candy Crush actually helps the world, I think this story is bollocks. All right, let's go into weird territory, shall we? A single chip has managed to transfer the entire internet's traffic in a single second. This is a weird one to try and wrap your head around. Because you, you say, hey, look, a single chip has transferred the entire internet's traffic in a single second. That just sounds like... Isn't that what chips do in the internet? They, they move around traffic really fast. I think you're missing the scale. This is the entire internet's traffic. All of it was moved from point A to point B in a single second. This was all done thanks to silicon photonics by basically using small, from what I understand, fiber optic links to add more bandwidth to the chip and show that silicon chips actually have a ton more potential room to grow. Now, does this have any real life applications right now? No, this is all a proof of concept, but not gonna lie, that metric is one that is very impressive. And I, for one, am eager to see how it ends up going out into the rest of the world. Someone asked, does it include porn traffic? Of course, what do you think? The internet's for porn. Have you learned nothing? Of course it includes porn traffic. It's all internet traffic is. It's all porn. And this podcast. That's it. If you do anything else with the internet, you're not actually on the internet. Clearly. Do I have to tell people I'm joking when I say that? God, I hope not. In a weird story, um, Amazon Web Services bought a backup power solution for their Iris data centers. What could this power solution be? Could it be a metric ton of windmills? Could it be a massive solar array? Could it be a new hydroelectric dam? Something massive and renewable? <laughs> of course not. It was a hundred diesel generators. Wait, what? So here's one thing that's very weird about this. It doesn't say what the size of these generators are. Here's the thing with generators, all right? I actually know a decent amount about generators. 
there's various sizes and capacities of generators. You have generators, even with diesel, that generates only five kilowatts, and then you have some that can generate 50 kilowatts. So 100 diesel generators, what are we talking about? Are we talking about like little ones that can go ahead and uh, maybe charge an electric car after, uh, after 20 hours? Or we're talking one of the big boys, one of the big, giant, massive chonkers that you'd see at a hospital that would keep life support up and everything and keep everyone alive for days in case natural disaster struck and knocked out the power to the hospital. Because if you're taking a hundred of those and hooking up to your, to your data center, it might be time to look at the efficiency of your data center. I'm just saying. Some of these generators are massive utterly completely massive and i'm currently trying to skim through the article to see what the output of these 105 generators are and at this point we literally don't know cool now a lot now the main reason for this massive move for diesel generators is specifically because europe right now is facing concerns about blackouts caused mostly by the crunch for natural gas and oil because of course the country europe would get a lot of their natural gas and oil from russia and currently the world is trying to shun russia and shame them into not trying to obliterate ukraine off the map yeah so i for one am very curious what their plan is speaking of russia and all their problems um russia went ahead and uh caused some problems for the international space station as they had to go ahead and maneuver yet again around Russian satellite debris, because of course Russia has such an advanced space program and are so, so advanced. They're gonna launch their own space station because they're so much more advanced than the rest of the world, which is why they have their literal garbage orbiting the earth. I swear if Russia had their way, we would have a ring like Saturn does of nothing but Russian satellite debris. That'd be both cool and horrifying at the same time. Ah, uh, this is great, isn't it? Sigh. Just, just sigh. All right, well, that's enough uh, concerning news for the day. How about instead we talk about the last verb, the last story of the day, the weirdest story of the week, and a warning to your kids. You should be careful about what's in your kid's candy. You never know what could be hiding. Could be a disease. Could be razor blades. It could be drugs. Or it could be doom. You might be able to find an electronic candy bar that is able to play Doom. Because of course, why not? We already got Doom to run on Notepad. We got Doom to run on a toaster. We got Doom to run, run on a refrigerator. So of course, the next step was obvious. We had to go ahead and get Doom running inside a Milky Way candy bar. <laughs> Obviously, the candy bar was modified to have the screen and to have the electronic components inside it to run Doom. But the fact they went ahead and got Doom to run on a candy bar, that's just my way of saying to all of you, have a very happy Halloween. Folks, that is going to do it for this episode of Eagle Eyes on Tech. Thank you so much for listening, and I do encourage you to check out the daily podcast at anchor.fm slash early B-I-R-B briefing, or if you just want to see what I all do, 
eaglefalcon.card.co. Take care, and I hope you have a great day. Take care, everyone. Bye-bye. Look, here's my next request, all right? First off, A, Doom running on the Thanksgiving turkey. You have a lot more space to work with. I expect to see the full-blown 3D version of Doom running on that turkey, all right? So we got that for the next holiday. Next up, you can go back to the 2D, the OG version of Doom, but I want Doom inside several Christmas ornaments on my tree. I'm just saying, internet, make it happen. You can't let me down. We are going to have Doom on every single holiday we can. You've figured out a way to do it for Halloween. I believe in you. Good luck, internet.